Okay, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for being here. Uh, one of the things I, I wanted to point out is we, we kind of addressed it last night in class, just kind of going by, but uh, we were talking about the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. And in the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant, the Mosaic Covenant, there was a promise in the Law of Moses that when, you became, when the Israelites became disobedient, they'd be sent away, but God would bring them back. Uh, be, not because of the Mosaic Covenant, but because of the Abrahamic Covenant. They would break the conditional covenant, but because of the unconditional covenant, they are the children of Abraham, he'll always bring them back. Thus, there's a difference between Jacob and Esau. Esau, I don't have a covenant with him. They're gone. Jacob, I've got a covenant. I love him. I've got a covenant. I'll always bring him back. Esau, I don't have a covenant. And so, right here, when this is taking place, and we look eschatologically, this is, in a sense, a fulfillment of that, well, the promise in the Mosaic Covenant that they'll come back because of the Abrahamic Covenant. So they're being brought back. And so you can see there's, you know, it's eschatological. It's end times. It's the return. It's, it's a big deal. But as we know, and I'm not sure how much they understood, but Jeremiah had already written about the New Covenant Ezekiel had already written about them being given a new heart, a new spirit, the spirit dwelling in, just like we talked about last night. And these people that are coming back are coming back, the, the remnant, but they're still coming back with that hard heart. With, they're still coming back with the sin nature. And there's not a new covenant. It, they're still coming back just because of the Abrahamic covenant. They're being brought back. And it's a big deal but it's not going to change anything. As we know, 70 AD, they go through the same destruction. But by that time, the new covenant had taken place. And you wonder how many of these people were, you know, understood. I mean, there had to be some understanding of the promise from Isaiah and Psalms and Genesis that there's going to be uh, a, a Savior, the seed of the woman, uh, the Jeremiah's promise of a new heart. Uh, but it's just kind of interesting to see that this is, this is in a sense, in the, as close as they could get, that it's eschatological fulfillment, but it's yet something bigger is going to take place. And when Jesus came, that also was eschatological fulfillment. It was a promise being fulfilled, the new covenant, and it's like, okay, are we there? No, you're not there. Go back to work. And so it's just this progress of God's plan of salvation coming, and we're, we're looking at end times, but, of course, as you go through, it depends on how you break down your end times. You know, Jesus is going to return. It's like, oh, it's the end times. No, now you've got the, the kingdom age, and then the new heaven and new earth and all that. It's like we're still, you know, even if Jesus comes back today, we're still waiting for other things to take place. And so it's just kind of interesting to put this in a, a perspective of eschatological, because it is. You've got, they're going to have to go into captivity and be brought back, but then there's going to be another dispersion and another return. Okay, uh, Open up the booklets, if you would, that you have, and let's just look at page, I, I'm going to be not ridiculous, uh, but I hope to get through chapter 3, verses 8 through 21. It, in one sense, that sounds like a lot of verses for what we've done the last two weeks, but in the big picture of reality, that's, that would be to be expected, uh, all, you know, in, in a you know, 30 minutes. So I think we can do it, but I can't waste time. Uh, page 16 uh, of your, your uh, booklet, we're in chapter 3 there, uh, and I just want to point out 
That's the wall coming down right here. And we're going to pick up right about in this area. And they go past this, where they're building, where the, the governor's seat may have been. Uh, and we're going to go all the way down and get up to this area, uh, up into, well, Eliashib's house, the high priest's house right here. And then we might be able to finish it next week. Okay. But anyway, you can see that coming down there. We're going to go past the, the tower furnaces. We're going to go by the valley gate again. We've mentioned the valley gate already. That's where Nehemiah had come out to visit or do a tour. We're going to go down around the... And then if you look on the next page, page 17, we'll go by the Pool of Siloam. He's not going to mention the Dragon Spring or the Jackal Spring uh, tonight. He mentioned that on the, eve, the night visit, but he will go by that. Uh, the Pool of Siloam will not be mentioned as he goes by, but there will be a reference to it as they come across over here because this King's Garden uh, and this wall would be kind of like the wall is going to be referred to to the Pool of Siloam as if it's part of a complex looking at it from this side. Uh, and again, plus I may have drawn something incorrectly. Uh, turn the page. Uh, page 18. Now you're looking at this view. You're stand, I'm standing on the Mount of Olives looking this way at the city. And I've just drawn a white line around there, roughly uh, putting it where the wall would have been. You can see David's palace and the uh, step stone structure. I've got where it says terraces. That's this area. The terraces, the step stone structure is right here. And then that white wall that goes down all the way around here. This would be the dung gate down here towards the bottom. I've got it written there, dung gate. And at the dung gate, you can see it drop off into the Hinnom Valley in the picture. You see how it drops down. And right there where the dung gate is, that's where the Kidron Valley and the Hinnom Valley are going to meet. I'm going to show you some pictures from right here uh, that I got from a friend uh, that, that took some pictures. I've got the tomb of David right here. When we get over here, I'm going to show you something uh, where the tomb of David would be. It's been chiseled away. Uh, the Romans, after the fall of Jerusalem, they cut it away for quarry stones. But we, we've got some pictures there to look at. They're on your paper tonight. Okay, that's on page 18. And then on page 19, we're going to get here. We're going to just kind of come up here, like I said, up to the high priest's house, Eliasib. Uh, and uh, we'll talk about some of those things there. With that being said, I'd like to have you flip over to, I think it's page, yeah, go to page 39. And it's going to be mentioned very clearly tonight about the broad wall. And the broad wall what Nehemiah is going to be referring to is going to be they're going to be going down here. They're going to go past. They're going to build to the broad wall. This broad wall was the one built by uh, Hezekiah, 701 uh, B.C. When, they're, when, they're, when the, the, the northern tribes are being invaded by Assyria, they're coming down here. They're going to fill up this side of the city. So he realized he's got to build the city or a wall around that. Uh, this part of the wall has been excavated, and that's what you see on page 39. That is, the, in fact, it's called the broad wall. And you can see it kind of cu cuts in right here, and you can kind of see it's kind of got a curve to it. Those are a couple pictures I took. On the top of page 39, that top picture, those are houses. They look like just stones, but archaeologically, when you go down there and look at them, they're, they're stones that are the walls of a house or the, the foundation of the walls of a house that have been like just built right over. And Isaiah reprimands Hezekiah that you numbered the houses 
Uh, and he says, you'd never, you didn't look to the Holy One for protection, but instead you built this wall, numbered the house, you had your own strategy. And so it's kind of that, you know, it's like, well, he's be, doing, being wise, building a wall. Uh, you wouldn't want your, your, your government leader to say, we're not going to have any military, we're just going to trust the Lord. I would like to trust the Lord and build a military. Uh, and so I think that it seems like Hezekiah was a righteous king and he was trusting God. But it appears he made some kind of plans without consulting the Lord. And Isaiah chews him out for having built, you know, numbered the houses and tore them down to build this wall. Probably confiscating people's property because we need this for the greater good. And the, right there you can see, again, exactly what the situation was. You know, I can't say, but Isaiah's reprimanding Hezekiah for building over people's houses. And right there you can see it being done right there in that picture. That's, that's the... the the broad wall, we're, we're not, we don't see it here. I just got a dotted line, but you can see it over here and how it would have gone across there. There's that reference. Just so you can see those pictures. I got more information. Oh, right there. Yeah, right there on page 38. Instead of me babbling about it, let me read it to you. Uh, there's 23 feet of it was uncovered. It was 23 feet wide, 213 feet long. Isaiah addressed this very issue in chapter 22. Uh, he says... Isaiah writing, and you looked in that day to the weapons in the palace of the forest. This would be King Solomon's palace, uh, and that, that's going to be on the map here. You saw that the city of David had many breaches in its defenses. You stored up water in the lower pool. That would be down, you know, in the south side. You counted the buildings in Jerusalem and tore down houses to strengthen the wall. Uh, you built a reservoir between the two walls for the water of the old pool. So that would be the Pool of Siloam. But you did not look to the one who made it or have regard for the one who planned it long ago. It seems like kind of harsh words for Hezekiah, who's one of our righteous kings in the Bible. But it may have been, a, you know, maybe been one of the things that brought him back. You know, he may have been drifting like we all drift. And, you know, Isaiah rebuked him. He all came back because we see several times of Hezekiah doing some, some great things. Okay, uh, turn to page 40. There's a picture. We're going to be going by that again. That's looking up this way towards, you're in the Hinnom Valley looking up towards where the wall of De, uh, Nehemiah would have been towards the top. And here's some pictures of some tombs from the, uh, uh, the Hinnom Valley. Right down here, I was walking, just walking around the city like this, and I'm looking this way. So, as I'm looking at these tombs, the city of Jerusalem's over here. I'm in the Hinnom Valley looking at the stones on this side. And that's the best I had of tombs in the Hinnom Valley until Paul, uh, uh, I've never met him, but we've done a lot of communicating on Facebook, and he's, uh, he's, got, uh, he's at a church, and he tours Israel a lot. He actually has walked, he goes on hikes, like you'll start in, in, in Israel, northern Israel, Galilee, and then just start walking. Because it's only, you know, it's like a, the whole area of Israel that we would call the Bible land at, it, at its max, you know, 180 miles from Dan to Beersheba, would fit in southwest Iowa. I mean, from the interstate over to Omaha, from the interstate down to Missouri, that's Israel. And so imagine... It, the whole southwestern quarter of Iowa is Israel, all these archaeological sites. 
you don't want to take a bus. You just start walking and stop at different places. And he's done that several times. And uh, he's looked at my things, and I've looked at his things. And I'm going to show you some of his pictures tonight. But this is the best I've got of the tombs. And I'm going to show you some better ones tonight that, that Paul took. Okay, that's this book right here for tonight. You can refer to it as you want to. Uh, we're going to go to the notes. Uh, I, I, I've got the notes, so I'm going to just go with the notes and do the best we can and make progress. Okay, page one of the notes. Um, we've talked about this area, to, you know, the, the northern wall, the, the, starting with the, the uh, sheep gate. We came down here with some building going on. And we've got sections, as you can see here. This is about how they're building, about how much room each person. And again, when a person's name is mentioned, I've got to think it's a, a, a person and then their crew, if it's their family, if it's their friends. It may have been appointed by Nehemiah. But we're down, we've got down to about this far to where we've got the uh, goldsmiths and the perfumers right here are building right here up to the Ephraim gate heading this way. So what we'll do is we'll read all these names tonight. We'll go all the way around. And notice these sections, and you've got this map in that booklet, these small sections. And then right here, all of a sudden, we're going to have Hanan and the, the people of Zanoah are going to build from here, from the valley gate, all the way down to the dung gate. It's going to call it a thousand cubits in your text in the, in the scriptures, which is, you know, the best we can say is about a thousand five hundred feet, five hundred yards, or it's a quarter of a mile. He's going to build, him and his crew is going to build a quarter of a mile. This whole city, yeah, right here, this, the walls are going to be a mile and a half around. So if you divide a mile and a half into quarters, boys and girls, you have six quarters okay are you with me on the math again I, I i planned that ahead of time otherwise i wouldn't be able to do it that smooth i would have been like okay okay there's six quarters six fourths going around mile and a half they're going to build one fourth of it themselves or one quarter themselves so they're going to build one sixth of the wall of this is going to be done by this group right here tonight and again you understand probably why that is because this broad wall is going all the way around here. This was a wall inside the wall of the city. So this was all destroyed. But this was apparently is going to move a lot quicker. So, all right, here we go. Chapter 3, verse 8. Next to them, Uziel, the son of Harhaiah, goldsmiths, repaired. Next to him... Hananiah, one of the perfumers repaired, they restored Jerusalem as far as the broad wall. So going from right here all the way down to the broad wall, this is going to be performed by two groups, the goldsmiths and the perfumers. And I've got some information there. I try to go through it with the, the Hebrew text and explain some of the words just to draw something out of it. And sometimes there's great things you can discover. Sometimes it's just confirmation that the translation makes sense. Uh, but the goldsmiths, that's the word that means to smelt, to refine, to test. And so the, that would appear to be goldsmiths. And the perfumers is a word that means ointment maker or perfumer. And those people apparently possibly had their businesses here. Uh, and we mentioned last time, as they're doing all this work in just 52 days, there's not going to be a high need for gold or perfumers. 
Uh, it, it's kind of, and they're going to benefit if they would get this wall built. They appear to be just shutting down their businesses, we would assume, and, and getting this wall done because once it's done, uh, they're going to be more secure and they're going to be able to have you know, better business. People are going to come to the city. So they're, in a sense, making an investment in their business by shutting down the business and building the walls. Um, and so, you know, that's what was being said there. Um, and again, the broad wall, I've got that underlined, but that's what we're talking about, this section right here. As far as the broad wall, that's how far the goldsmith and the perfumers were working. And then it's always a you know, concept of, you know, the, the, the goldsmiths who are working with fine detail, the perfumers, this is not like a normal career for them. It's not like a normal day for them, but they're getting the work done. Verse, chapter 3, verse 9. Next to them, Raphaiah, the son of Hur, ruler of the half-district of Jerusalem, repaired. Now we introduce this concept right here. There are five districts. One, two, three, four, five. They're all going to be mentioned tonight. There's going to be a mention of the ruler of the district. Two of the districts are called half-districts. So now understand there's going to be there's a city of Beth-Zur, but there's also a district of Beth-Zur. I'm not sure exactly how they overlap, but these are called the, the, the five districts that are mentioned in Nehemiah. Kela, Beth-Zur, Beth-Hakarim, Jerusalem, and Mizpah. Now, when we talk about the half-district of Jerusalem, we're not talking about the city. We're talking about a district. Uh, so there's going to be, there could, and in fact, it's going to be mentioned in these, these verses, uh, that there's going to be a ruler or a leader of the district of Mizpah, but then you're going to see the ruler of the city of Mizpah. It's like, was well, a different guy. Right, because you're going to have the mayor of Des Moines, and you're also going to have the governor of, of the state. I guess that's not a perfect example, but you understand. So this, this is a district up here, and how they overlapped. If Beth Hakaran comes over here, Jerusalem takes part here and goes over here, it would, I would assume Beth Zur is here, Keilah's over here, Mizpah's maybe over here, over here. Uh, you know, it, it's not clear. Uh, but these are definitely the districts, and the leaders of every one of those districts is in the city building with the people from those districts to build a wall. Uh, again, I don't think it's forced labor. I think they're, they're investing in their future. They, they understand God's plan. Whatever they understand from the scripture references, they're understanding this is important. There's probably a lot of political play going on. It's to our advantage. They may be thinking scripturally. They may be thinking business. I mean, it, it's, it, it all plays together. But here's our first mention. The reason I stop right there is the ruler of the half-district of Jerusalem is repairing from here. I, I can't keep lifting this up and down. But right here, from the broad wall down to here, the half, they're building this section right here. And they're, again, not ha- they're not ruling half the city of Jerusalem. They're ruling half the district of Jerusalem. Now, the whole, who's ruling the whole province of Judah right now? the governor of Judah, which is ne- Nehemiah. Okay. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, right there it's like, okay, I'm going home. <laughs> it's like, I'm not doing any good. All right. Chapter 3, verse 10. Next to them, Jedidiah, the son of Haramph, repaired opposite his house. And next to him, Hatash, the son of Hash. 
Abniah repaired. Um, now, that word that I've got in a box there is the word translated in front. It's the word neged, and it can, it can mean in front of, in sight of, or opposite to. And so that, that is right here. I've got Jedediah right here. He's the one, Jedediah building right here, his house. And he's building, at first I, I read it opposite. His house is outside the wall and he's building here. Uh, and I've made corrections, like I said, throughout this. I think this house should be in here. That's what I would say. And again, I, ha- I don't know. We haven't found the foundation of Jedediah's house and a family photo hanging on the wall or anything. Uh, but I think it would be, you know, in front of, he's got a house here and he's building this section right here. So his house is in this area. Depends on where you want to put it. I should put it here, I think. But nonetheless, it's interesting. His house is there. He's, the city is not like overrun with population. In fact, when this gets done, they're going to have a lottery, as you probably know. They're going to have a lottery and they're gonna, everybody in all these communities is going to have to bring in some people. We need to, we need to fill Jerusalem up. Well, we're, we're fine here. Someone's got to come. So everybody, put your name in the hat. We're taking 10 people's names. You're moving to Jerusalem. You're going to Jerusalem. Oh. And, and they're, and they're going to fill Jerusalem. That's coming. So when you think about houses in here, this is not packed with houses. Jedediah's house, he may have a, you know, not many neighbors. But nonetheless, that's his house. And I think it'd be in front of his house. Turn the page. Chapter 3, verse 11. Melchijah the son of Haram, and Hashab, the son of Pahath-Moab, repaired another section and the tower of the ovens. So now from here, from Jedediah's house, this section right here, down to the tower of the ovens, it's called the tower of the ovens, or the furnace. This could be a variety. It's it's probably something that's burning. It it could be, uh, some suggestions is it's, it's the bakery. And that's where the ovens are. They're baking the bread. Uh, or you could have a furnace for the clay. They could be uh, uh, setting the clay. Uh, but somehow there's a furnace right here. Again, we don't have remains of this. We know where it's at because of the description. Uh, but there would be a, a tower right there and probably some business going on there, if it be bakery, if it be a pottery shop. Uh, but they're building down to there, repaired another section, and the Tower of Ovens. Uh, now, this right here, there's a word in the he- Hebrew, and you don't see it, I don't see it. Let me read this again. The word is second. Melchijah, the son of Hiram, and Hashem, the son of Path- Pahath Moab, repaired. Oh, yeah, there it is. Another section. Now, as you read that in the English, it's like, and he repaired here, and then they repaired another section, and they repaired another section, and another section. You could read it that way, but we know because we're going to get over here, and uh, the guy that was building here is going to be building down here across from Eliashib's house, and it's going to say it the same way. And I've got this written here. The word is in the square, uh, translated a second in the, in the Hebrew. It is the word sheni in Hebrew, and it means the definition is second. Not in another, but in second as an ordinal number, meaning in a series. One, two, three. Uh, it's an adjective, it's a noun, meaning it is the second of a series that began with one and came to two. 
So he is building. Now, we, it does not say, there's a couple places where their names are mentioned twice. This guy's name is not mentioned twice. I mean, you say, why would we care? I, I'm just explaining the text. Uh, but Melchijah apparently is building his second of a series of two walls. Uh, we don't know where the first one was, but it definitely... Ah, the word section, I've got that underlined. That means measure, measurement, a stature, referring to a person's height, size, or a garment. And that's going to be important because it's, it's a measurement. These things apparently maybe are measured off how far each person can reasonably get the work done in the, in, with their crew. And that's going to play in real big when we get down to a measurement or a section of a thousand cubits or one-sixth of the city's wall. Next to him, Shalom. Uh, oh, hey, right, right there, go right back up to the top there, 1A. In chapter 3, verse 21, Merimoth is mentioned the same way, but his name is also mentioned in chapter 3, verse 4, and we talked about that last week. He's building up here, but by the time he gets down here, he's going to be building the second section right here. So he's going to build one, and then he's going to come down here and build here uh, over this tough part, right? This is going to be the most difficult part to build on. Okay, chapter 3, verse 12. Next to him, Shalom, the son of Halohesh, ruler of half the district of Jerusalem, repaired he and his daughter. So now you've got the second member of the district of Jerusalem, whichever section, however you divide it up, not the city, but the district. And this is flat out what this means. Uh, There was some... I read some commentary, and it was interesting. It was a historical, very, very excellent. And they said this might have been some kind of a, uh, 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 like a, like, I don't want to say a cult, but a, uh, some of their practicing some kind of, you know, magic or something, uh, trying to make this make sense. But I'm not going to go with that because uh, the leader of the other half district of Jerusalem, it says, and his daughters helped build. Now, what could ha- and his daughters mean? Uh, and a, unless you get some other information, I got point one right there. And his daughters is from this word. You can see, Yubanoata. Okay, I didn't say it right, but there it is. That's the pronunciation. It occurs five times in the Hebrew text. One in Genesis 46.15. His sons and his daughters numbered 35. Numbers 21, 29, as fugitives and his daughters into captivity. Deuteronomy 32, 19, of his sons and daughters. Nehemiah 3, 12, made repairs, he and his daughters. And Job 1, 13, when his sons and his daughters were eating and they're having these feasts, you know, the celebration, birthday parties and stuff, in every case, it's a family, a father and his daughters, a father and his sons and his daughters. So I have no reason to go any further than that. And again, there's been one commentary that, again, it's a historical one, but it just made it a suggestion. So I think right here, you've got a valid point that uh, this man, who's a ruler of half the district of Jerusalem, him and his daughters are repairing that section of the wall. Uh, you say, well, why would women be doing that? Well, they could in, when in, there's a record in Athens when Athens was rebuilding their wall after they're by, fighting back and forth the Spartans that the women were out helping build the wall. I mean, that's, that's a historical fact that they're building the wall. So it's just an interesting thing right there. Uh, you've got perfumers, you've got goldsmiths, 
And now you've got this guy and his daughters. It doesn't say his sons and his daughters or him and his family. Like I said, I think a lot of these guys, them and their families or their, their, their you know, neighbors are doing something. They're the head leader. But his daughters are involved there. So there it is, his daughters. Chapter 3, verse 13. Hanan and the inhabitants of Zenoah. And Zenoah, see right here? See? The inhabitants. So this guy... Hanan and the inhabitants of Zenoah. So we would assume he's a leader from, that's just the city. It's not a province or district. It's just the city. They seem to have come in and are building with Hanan. Repaired the valley gate. Now the valley gate, it was functioning for Nehemiah to go out on the night journey when he came around here and traveled. But it probably doesn't have the wooden doors and the bar it, it's probably, it, it's probably never shut. He's probably just, it may still be burnt. A lot of it says right there, it says the gates are still burnt. So Nehemiah may have gone through. And we talked about gates, remember, we're not, I said last week, they're not just like a wall that's this wide, they just go through a gate. They'd be chambers. They may be as long as this building and he'd go through chambers. Uh, and so if he'd roll through those chambers, it may be all burnt out where they used to have meetings and city council would gather. Uh, they're going to repair that valley gate. So now it's, the woodwork is done. The benches are back in place. The doors are swinging or the gates are swinging. There's a beam to shut it down or set, lock it down. They'll repair that valley gate. But then it goes on and says, they repaired, repaired it and set its doors, its bolts, and its bars. And here it is. And repaired a thousand cubits of the wall as far as the dung gate. Now again, uh, not, not to be you know, minimize anything or be facetious or insulting. But if you're just reading through this, you just blow through that. It's like, wow, okay, yeah, more, more, I'm going to build this. Right here, this guy, all of a sudden, this guy and the inhabitants of Zenoa, they've come into Jerusalem. They repair this entire gate system, which is more than just a door. And you'll see more, you'll see it better up here when we get up here to the water gate. They repaired from here. A thousand cubits all the way down, see, past the jackal spring, past the pool of Siloam, all the way around the backside of the king's garden wall to the dung gate, which is a thousand cubits or 1,500 feet, 500 yards, and turn the page, and there's a diagram, of course. So there you've got going from the valley gate to the dung gate. Look at this right here. This section from here, and if you move this up, I mean, look at that. What all these people did right here, and I'll get this map up here. They built from here, go from here to here, this section, one, one city and their leader, compared to what's going on up here. Now, you say, well, those guys were really working hard. Or this wall wasn't as damaged as this wall, and definitely wasn't as damaged as this wall was crushed, because that's where the invasion takes place. This wall, well, again, was inside the city so uh, of, of Hezekiah's, or of 586 B.C. So it's just interesting to see that being said. And uh, I got on page 3, I've got the word uh, where it says dung gate. It's, it's the refuge gate, and that is the word ash poth. It means an ash heap, refuge heap, or dung hill. And that is right here. That's where they take out all their ashes. That, you know, they take out all the waste from the city. And that's, they built down to here. And of course, that dung gate itself would have to be repaired also. So chapter 3, verse 14. Okay, you see, it took us forever to get through here. Last week, we only got to here. But look, we're all the way down here already. Okay, 
Stay strong. Chapter 3, verse 14. Melchijah, we're going to turn the corner. We're going to turn the corner. Melchijah, the son of Rechab, ruler of the district of beth Hacherum. And that's this right here. This is the city of beth Hacherum. And where their district would be, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I would assume beth Zur. they're going over here. Somehow Jericho's got to be in, I would think there'd be a district over here, like a district of Jericho, you know, you know but it, it, there's not. So that's either part of Mizpah or Jerusalem or whatever. And they're on page four. I've got this map right there for you, except I've got the, all the cities pulled off, so you just have the major, major cities. Uh, that, that ruler of this district repaired the dunga. Okay, I made a mistake. I said, they, they repaired this valley gate all the way down to the dung gate. I said, then they had to repair this. I was wrong because they, they repaired to the dung gate. They've already repaired, it, repaired a gate. This gate, the dung gate, is repaired by uh, Melchijah, the ruler of the district of Beth Hakarim. Uh, repaired the dung gate. He rebuilt it, set its doors, its bolts, and its bars. You can see the the Home Depot list, you're going to need some bolts, you're going to need some bars, you're going to need, here's your punch list. Um, <clears throat> then, uh, I, uh, on that map, I wrote the five districts. The two large districts, you can see I've got to mention there, Jerusalem and Keilah. I think I said Mizpah. For some reason, the district of Keilah has got two leaders, and the district of Jerusalem has two leaders. So Mizpah's got one leader, this district's got one leader, this district's got one leader, Maybe Keilah and Jerusalem are, you know, whatever. These are the two that have two leaders, so they got div- their, their district is divided. These three have one leader. Why? I think size, possibly. I don't know. And that's, that's said right there. Chapter 3, verse 15. And Shalom, the son of Kol, Kolhoza, ruler of the district of Mizpah. Now, I didn't put it in the notes, and I didn't know what to do with it. I'll just say it because I'm not... Kol Hosea, that means, in the Hebrew, that means everyone's a seer. So Shalom, the son of the family, everyone's a seer, which means everyone's a prophet, or everyone hears from God, everyone's got a vision, everyone is, you'd go to them for, you know, if you want to talk to God. You'd always have a seer or a prophet. The kings always had seers or prophets. Again, you can get into you know, the, 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 the occult. But you can also have guys like David who had Nathan the prophet or you had Hezekiah who had Jeremiah the prophet. So there is, in, the, in God's family, in God's kingdom, there are prophets or seers that are speaking for him. But you can, there's very quickly, you cross a line and you get into the occult and you're having visions and dreams. Now you're Nebuchadnezzar with wise men and magicians and, well, and many of the kings of Judah got into some really corrupt practices. So I, I don't know what to do with that. Uh, but kolhoza means everyone's a seer. And that means everyone has spiritual connections. This is the place you go to tap into God. Which, if you look up here at Mizpah, look at Gibeon, Ramah, this whole area. Geba, this is where Saul, or, uh, Samuel was from this area. And this is where he anointed uh, uh, King Saul. This is where they would come for This is where 
before the temple was built, this is where Solomon came up into this area uh, to offer. That's where he had the vision. Uh, what do you want? You want long life? He says, I need wisdom. That wasn't in Jerusalem. That was before the temple was built. He, got, he had gone up here and offered, you know, like a thousand bulls or something uh, because he was seeking God because that's where the tabernacle, the tabernacle was at Shiloh. Shiloh's being excavated extensively right now. They're finding fantastic things at Shiloh. They're finding a, not a city, they're finding a, 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 a meeting place. They're finding a, some kind of a public gathering. It's matching the ideal of the tabernacle. That was destroyed 1050 B.C. by the Philistines. They took the ark captive, so there's no tabernacle. That, those things come back. But the priests still had a function, so they kind of reset things up in this area. Uh, and that's where you see, uh, well, at the high place of Gibeon right here. You can see it from the right up here. And Nob, Anathoth, those are all priestly places where the priests were at. Uh, and so it's possible that this was a very spiritually saturated, if you want to say spiritual, in the sense of having visions and contacting God, the priests, the human man, the thumim. Uh, but nonetheless, whatever that means, that's what his name means. It may mean nothing. Uh, it, doesn't say, it just says his name, Cole Hoser. Everyone's a seer. Ruler of the district of Mizpah repaired the fountain gate. He rebuilt it covered it and set its doors, its bolts, and its bars, and he built the wall of the pool of Shelah of the king's garden as far as the stairs that go down from the city of David. Okay, a lot of stuff is in that verse, and we can, we can deal with it. Now, first of all, the dung gate has been done. Now, from the dung gate, he's going to repair the fountain gate. There's a gate right here, would be called the fountain gate. The reason there's a fountain gate is because it's going to come access water. And that water would be the, the king's pool here that's bringing water from the, the Gion Springs through the, the channels. Or it's the Inrogal pool down here, the, 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 the springs of Inrogal. But this is a fountain gate. They're coming out here to get water. Uh, there has been, I don't have pictures of it, but there have been in the stones, you know, because this is, there's stone walls that are stacked up, but there's also uh, the stone ridge that this is sitting on. So sometimes they build a wall, sometimes they just cut right into the stone. And there is, right here, a passageway and some stairs coming here, remains of it, where they just they cut right into the stone to go up into the city. They kind of carved a gate into the stone or a passageway. And that may be the fountain gate. I mean, we, we don't know for sure, but it, it, there's stuff there that we can work with. Um, a couple things about this. Uh, it says he built the wall of the pool of Selah. If you turn the page and look at the Hebrew text on page 5, um, just you can see top of page 5, verse 15 in the Hebrew, the transliteration. Uh, you see I've got the fountain in a square. It, it means the fountain gate. Uh, and he's the leader of Mizpah, up here. The second line, built it and then covered it. That is, I mean, just, just interesting. That's the word talal, which means to cover over or to roof. So this gate, this fountain gate, however it was built, is going to have a roof on it. He built it and then covered it up. I, I think, if I'm going to 
make a suggestion, or I'm going to place my bet. I think it was cut into the, the rock foundation of the city, I mean the actual bedrock, and then you'd come up out of that gate to go up into the city of David. And then you'd come down a set of stairs and come out this stone wall cutting, and then they put a, a roof on top of it, and that's how they'd come in and out of, to get water in this side of the city. Now, what's confusing, uh, and it, 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 it could throw off my entire drawing right here, uh, and, and every, everybody else that has tried this, uh, they covered it, okay, the fountain gate, hung the doors, its bolts and bars, and repaired the wall. They're going to repair a wall of the pool of Shelah. Now, the, there's no pool of Selah, Shelah. That is most likely, I've got the notes on top of it, you see right there, Shiloh or Shiloh. That is the pool of Shalom. It's the same word, just different pronunciations in different time periods. So they built the wall of the pool of Shalom. And then it also then mentions uh, the Garden of the Kings. So with that being said, the, the Pool of Siloam is definitely here. Archaeologically, the Pool of Siloam is here, and it is the Pool of Siloam. Uh, this right here is where the water comes out from Hezekiah's tunnel. It's a little you know, spring that winds back. It looks like a serpent being cut right there. So that could be the serpent's spring or the jackal spring or the dragon spring dragon serpent being the same thing that's not for sure but it sure makes sense and you can see that today you can walk in the water there you can walk in this so that is definitely there uh the dung gate of course is here we've gone around this side the fountain gate would be in this area but what is this wall that they're repairing and why do they call the wall of salome that would be this wall over here Unless you're going to call this, this section right here, this is going to be the Pool of Siloam, where the water's very, it, it's, it's full, it's flowing very well. They're going to tap into that to water this section right here called the King's Garden. And there's a wall right here that, that is protecting the King's Garden with the Pool of Siloam. And that's the fountain gate. So I think when it says he repaired, again, you... you I'm trying to translate, I'm trying to interpret this. So if you don't agree with that, that's good. Make a map and convince me and I'll, I'll teach what you're saying. But uh, the pool of, the, he repaired the wall of the pool of Selah and of the garden of the king as far as the stairs that go down from the city of David. So from, he would pick up here on the dung gate build this wall that protected the king's garden and the pool of Siloam. He repaired the fountain gate all the way up to here to where the stairs go up to the city of David. And again, you've, we've seen pictures of that. This is all a rising rock ridge. And so as you go down to this water gate or fountain gate, you'd come down here, you're going to have to, you're walking downhill and there's going to be stairs. And you go out here to get your water, come back in and then ascend the stairs back into the city. So any, you can see that on your diagram there also. And I've got two words underlined there, the word uh, for uh, the stairs. That is the word from mahala, which means what comes up. And it's translated as step, stair, ascent. And it's writing at the stairs, the ascent, that the next word is yarad, which means to come or go down, to descend. So the ascent that goes down. 
which is a, it's stairs. There, that's the ascent that you come down. And so you, you, this is the, you're coming up the ascent that goes down. So the stairs that come out of the fountain gate that go up, they're repairing this section right here. Kind of exciting because you're getting a lot of detail of what's on that part of the city, and it, and it matches. And a lot of it's been excavated, especially when we turn the page, and you can see that. So that's how we're, we're saying that. Now watch this. After him, chapter 3, verse 16, so he's got things built up here to the fountain gate. Now we're going to go up to this section right here. After him, Nehemiah, and that would not be Nehemiah, our governor. That's Nehemiah, the son of Ozbuk, ruler of half the district of Beth-zur. Well, see, I, I thought Kela was, okay, Beth-zur. So that's half the district of Beth-zur. So there you have it. Repaired to the point, now here, this is tough for me. The point opposite the tombs of David, as far as the artificial pool and as far as the house of the mighty men. So three things there. You've got the tombs of David, the artificial pool, and the house of the mighty men. And in a sense, we don't know where any of them are. We just know that if this is correct so far, they're right about here. And they're all together. But again, this is the old part of the city. I mean, this, this stuff was all expanded. This was all expanded. This is all right here. This, is, this was at one point Canaanite, Jebusite territory. This is what David conquered. And so this goes back. These are Canaanite tunnels here. So, I mean, this stuff goes back a long ways. So what we've got here is uh, uh, Beth Zur. You can see Beth Zur is right there. Uh, the word mighty is the word gibor, the house of the mighty men, which I have placed right here, called it the house of heroes, because the word uh, gibor means the mighty. Uh, Genesis 6, you hear it in Genesis chapter 6. When the Nephilim came down to the women, they produced the heroes of old, the men of Renoam. They produced the, 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 the gibor, the, they're the mighty men. David had his group of soldiers, they were the mighty men, or the gibor. So whenever you have anything, anytime it talks about Joshua being a mighty warrior, he's a Geber. So when we say the house of the Geber, the mighty men, that's some kind of a, I don't know, a club for warriors. <laughs> is it a place where there's a, is it like up here where you've got the, the tower of a hundred, hundred soldiers here? Is this also a house of fortification down here? Nonetheless, that's the house of heroes somewhere in here. Now turn the page, it mentions... It mentions the tombs of David. I'm going to go to Acts chapter 2, because you can read in the Old Testament, and we could go back and spend time looking at the verses, where it talks about, and David was buried. He had a tomb. And David, having had a long reign, he had plenty of time to cut a tomb. And he's going to cut a tomb here in his city. Now, you would think that it's going to be outside the city, well, this, in a sense, was outside the city. But when we come to Acts chapter 2, here's a verse we read last night from Psalm, Psalm 16. Uh, I mean, this is Peter preaching. Um, I'm in verse, I'm in chapter 2, and I'm going to give you way more information than we need. I'm, I need to hurry. Chapter 2, verse 24. This is Peter preaching. Acts 2, verse 24. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. And this is Peter talking. David said about him, and now he quotes Psalm 16, 
I saw the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body will also live in hope. And all that is resurrection words. Tongue, body will live in hope. Not my soul will live in hope, but my body is living in hope. Big difference. You're not going to die and go off to heaven in a spiritual state. You're going to go to be at the Lord with the resurrection of your physical body in the future. And, you know, that's what he says. My body will live in hope because you will not abandon me to the grave, nor will you let your Holy One see decay. Two things are happening there. You're going to go to the grave, but you're not going to stay there. And your Holy One is going to go to the grave, but he will not decay. And so on a, on, if you're reading this in 444 B.C., you may be thinking, David, you know, he's, God's not going to abandon him to the grave. He's not going to be taken over. There's going to be a resurrection. But Peter interprets it this way. And he goes on and says, You've made known me the paths of life. You fill me with joy uh, in your presence. And then he begins his sermon on this text. Peter says, Brothers, I can tell you, this is 30 A.D. in Jerusalem, in this general area here of the temple precincts. They're going to baptize all these people. This has been built out to here by this time. This is full of mikvahs, water. Mikvahs where they baptize, they would do a ceremonial washing to go into the temple. All those mikvahs are going to be used for dunking people in baptism in a few verses. So Peter's right up here. And he says, Brothers, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried. Here's our whole text right here. And his tomb is here today. So in 30 A.D., he could stand here and say, David's tomb is here today. Now, the pictures I'm going to show you, it's like, are you sure that's a tomb? So we know that in 30 A.D., David's, and Nehemiah says they built right by David's tomb. So that David's tomb, and it says David's tombs, that means his family's tombs, are right here. And David is there. And 30 A.D., Peter can say his tombs are here today. Now, the Crusaders... You know, God bless the Crusaders. They tried their best. Uh, made a lot of crazy mistakes, bad theology, including having their own Armageddon, you know, everything. But uh, they found David's tomb up here in this part of the city. And it's, it's not. It's, it's a, some kind of a shrine. And, it's all, and so when you ask, if you go and take a tour of Jerusalem to see David's tomb, you're going to end up here very close, maybe in the same building or with, with the same foundation as the, where the upper room was at, Mark's mother's house. That, that's up in here, this part of the city. And so they'll show you right here, there's a little thing there. It's, it's, from, it's from the Crusaders' times. It's like, you know, so the novice that's just running around taking pictures and buying Jewish jewelry, uh, go there and take a picture. But it's, it's nothing except nothing. David's tomb is down here. So when he, Peter is talking, and again, that's, I didn't need to tell you that, but that's the case. David, uh, D- David died and was buried, and his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on the throne. And he goes on and talks like that. Okay, so in 30 AD, this tomb was here. Now I'm going to show you pictures. These are not my pictures. I wish these were my pictures. I want to go back and walk on this ground. You, you could go there and, well, I miss this. I hate to say that. I'm, I'm going to cut that out of the video. But I, I miss this. I didn't know where it was. I came close. I was looking for it. I came close, but I missed it. But Paul, I get, he's got, I've got a little website there. You could click on that on the PDF online. He sent me these because we were talking online about stuff. 
Okay, so this first picture, and I, I hope you like this. This first picture, we're standing right about here. I'm not standing. Paul's standing right about here. And he's taking a picture this way. So what you see right there, on that, that trail, that's kind of the, the, the Hinnom meeting the Kidron right there. It's, it's wider than that, of course. But you can see as he goes up to the right where the tree's at, that, you're looking up the Kidron Valley. So you're down here. That tree would be right about here, and you're looking up this way. Okay, so you can see that hole right in the middle. You see the wall right there? That's not the wall of Nehemiah. The wall of Nehemiah would have been towards the top. It would have been up there by those buildings. Someone's putting a roof on. See, there's some trusses being set on a building there. Uh, there's a hole right there. If you look at the picture down at the bottom of that, there's a closer view. You can see that there's a square hole right there, and he's, he's walking up towards it. Is it making sense to you? Kind of see it all? Then turn the page, and now you're very close to it, and I wish I had this in my color book. Now there's another. You can see it's all those holes right there. Are the, those are the tunnels of... Uh, of the inside the tomb like if there's a sepulcher cut then you could go into the door there'd be decorations there'd be rooms you'd enter and then you'd go back through a tunnel and there'd be the the burial spot well all the all the monument has been chiseled away has been cut away if you can imagine that you understand what i'm saying uh, this is when Nehemiah says, the sepulchers of my fathers are here. This would be one of the sepulchers, one of the cut out decorated tombs that you could go in and, you know, walk through. That was all cut away. And the only thing that remains, and there's a picture at the bottom of page 8 again, all just quarried away. And all you've got is just the deep tunnels. Anything that was useful, they cut it out. So you can imagine everything on the front of that would have been decorated of some sort of a tomb. And that, so that, that tomb, I've got the tomb of David right here. The tomb of David would be right over here along this wall. Right after the fountain gate, right on this, right out here in this part of the stone. That's where we're at, right there. Then turn the page on page 9. Now, we're standing up on top up here, up where Nehemiah would have built the wall. In fact, that wall that you can see on page 9, going across the, on the right side of the page, that would be potentially Nehemiah stones right there. That's up here at the top of the rock formation. And then you're looking down strictly into the... Just like we looked at pictures here looking down in the Kidron Valley, you're here looking down in the Kidron Valley right there. Okay, and so the tomb of David would be down, you know, down in that area. And that's all the terraces. We're about ready to hit the terraces where all that stuff collapsed. Okay, chapter 3, verse 17. And so he's building up to... The, the king's, there's an artificial pool here. And again, that, I, that's, I'm putting that there. That's, that's most likely from the channels bringing water from the Gion Springs. And there's a pool there. Come out the fountain gate to get water. David's tomb is right here. Uh, and then there's these steps that are cut into the, come out of the fountain gate. They're cut into the bedrock coming up. And that's kind of where you're walking. You'd be walking that kind of general area there. Okay, after him... Verse 17, after him the Levites repaired, Raham the son of Benai, next to him Hashabiah, ruler of the half district of Keilah, the other half, repaired for his district. And again, I have nothing really there to say, just they're, they're repairing, people from Keilah are in here repairing. Chapter 3, verse 18, after him their brothers repaired, would be their more priests, Bavaya, the son of Henadad, ruler of the half district of Kela. So there's the other half. 
and turn the page. Wow, look at this. Last page. Here we go. Um, and there's the Hebrew there at the top for verse 18. Next to him, Ezer, the son of Jeshua, the ruler of Mizpah, repaired another section opposite the ascent to the armory at the buttress. And now right here you say we've already had the leader of the district of Mizpah. And notice what this is. This is the ruler of Mizpah. One is the district. One is the leader of the city. Repair another section. And that's what I say in point one and point two. Uh, Shalom is the ruler of the district of Mizpah in chapter 3, verse 15. Point two. Ezra is the ruler of the city of Mizpah here in chapter 3, verse 19. Not a big deal, but it's not a contradiction. Um, and now we're right here going up this way. Uh, and this would be a good time maybe to take your book. You have your book. Just We'll finish up with this. A good time to take a look at a map. I'm looking for the place right here. Yes, go to page 19 if you want to. In fact, there's, there's your verse. Verse Verse 19 and 20. I'm on page 19 of the booklet. Uh, next to him, Ezra, the son of Jeshua, the ruler of Mizpah, repaired another section opposite the ascent to the armory at the buttress. And so opposite the ascent, the ascent could be the stairs possibly out here, but from this point on, the ascent, all this you're rising up, at the, the hill is rising, opposite the ascent, to the armory, and again, I don't know where the armory is at. I know it's here because of the text. At the buttress. And the buttress, if you look on your notes on page 10, uh, I've got verse three, chapter 3, verse 19. Um, let me see this. Mizpah, the second in front of uh, the ascent to climb, and then the word equipment, uh, the armory. So that word armory simply means the equipment or the weapons and the buttress. The word buttress in verse 19 is the word mock, there's a Q there, mock, mock toss, or mock sauce. You can see it, M-I-Q-T-S-O-S. I'm working on Hebrew with Tyler. I'm not there yet. Never will be. Can't even speak English. A corner, it means a corner buttress. That word means a corner buttress. It involves a corner. It involves an angle. It's used 12 times in the Old Testament to say corner or say angle. It's used to refer to furniture, like the, ta- the temple tabernacle furniture is being built. There's corners, angles on the furniture. It's also used of fortifications. You're going to build a fortification. It's going to have an angle or a corner that's going to be built up or the temple courts. Here... It's going to go, he says he's going to build ascent a, a to the armory at the buttress. And right here is where there's a wall. If you understand this, there's a wall right here in very outlined black, and you can see it on your paper there. That's the wall that Nehemiah is building at the top of the, the rock formation. It's called Jerusalem. Then going down is all those terraces going down. At the bottom of the terrace is going to be another wall in the Old Testament in Hezekiah's day, in 586 B.C. There's another wall going around. So that's what this is right here. This is Nehemiah's wall that he's building at the top. 
But then they built terraces in the Old Testament all the way down that side of the, the hill. And to protect it, they had to build another wall going out and around those terraces. They had to go down to the Kidron Valley and build another wall. So it would be an outside wall. Well, where that meets, there's an angle. There's a corner. The one of the walls goes up on the top. The other branches off, and there's a corner shooting off going around. So there's a corner or an angle. That would be a strengthened part of the wall called the buttress. And so he's going to build up to the buttress opposite the armory where the the military so this would be possibly because the wall is extra fortified the armory's there uh this may be part of a a military base but that's what it says right there next to him uh the section opposite the ascent to the armory at the buttress chapter 3 verse 20 after him barak the son of zabiah repaired another section from the buttress to the door of the house of Eliashib the high priest. Now Eliashib is the one up here working on the sheep gate. He's the one in charge of all this building along this side. His house is down here, next to the armory uh, in the old city of David at the top of the hill. And he's going to build from the buttress up to the door of Eliashib's house. That's, that's who's building there. And the word, uh, in the English Standard Version, I, I, it says, son of Zabiah repaired another section. I get, there's a little letter G. I left it there. They didn't translate it, but it is in the Hebrew, and it is in the English Standard footnotes. It is the word in the box right there. It is the word hehera, H-E-H-E-R-A-H. The translation in the, in the Hebrew right there, it, it, they just, he, he, he repaired carefully so it's in the hebrew they just didn't put it in the text for some reason and they did put a footnote there but that word hehera it means it means to burn with anger it means to kindle so it's like if you read it for just a literal he repaired it burning with anger so i mean he's like really ticked off that he's doing this i throwing his tools and you know cursing out nehemiah Probably not. So what some have translated, or say it, it means fervent, with, with great zeal. The English Standard Version doesn't even bring the word in. He just repaired another section. Uh, but it means, and they write carefully there, so you can do what you want to right there, but anyway, Zabel right here, the building up to Eliashib's house, is building it fervently. I mean, he's heated. I mean, he's excited about it. I mean, the, you know, the, the music's blaring on his, you know, construction radio, and he's, the beat's going, and he's excited, or he's throwing tools, and he's ticked off. So he's, he's on fire. I don't know what, you know, whatever it means. Some translations drop the word out, say, doesn't make any sense. And then I'll read this. After him, Merimoth, the son, that's his second wall now, the son of Uriah, the son of Hakaz repaired, another section, and there I've got that circled. That means two, like, uh, uh, you know, one to a second section from the door of the house of Elijah to the end of the house of Elijah. Okay, I'm going to read this one more time and just imagine someone's building, they're building sections of the wall. Sections of the wall. This guy, Merimoth, is building the second section. He's going to down and build in front of the high priest's house. And they built up to the door of his house. He's going to take off from the door of his house and just build the full length of the guy's house section of the wall 
So that's why this house is a little bit bigger than all the other little squares because it's like, what kind of house does Eliashib have that this guy's going to, we build up to it, you can build in front of the house, and he's going to build from the beginning of the house all the way to the end of the house. I mean, if it's a little house, it's like, oh, I'll get this this afternoon. But it's like, you know, he's got 52 days to build in front of Eliashib's house. Now, of course, that's his second part of the house. We'll pick that up right there next week and clean some of that stuff up. But there we have it. I'm, I'm, I'm here. I'm right about here. Elijah's house. Next week, we, we go to there. We'll see. I'll pray. Thank you very much for being here. Father, we do thank you for your word. We thank you for the chance to look into these things. We do ask that I would handle these things accurately, that we'd apply them to our hearts in a way that we can find truth and, and live in a way that is pleasing to you at this time in history. And again, we do thank you for uh, giving us this word, giving us this spirit, giving us salvation, and giving us Christian fellowship. We thank you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I appreciate your time.